Hi, I'm Patrizia Bertini. I'm the International Design Ops Lead at Intuit, and I am the giver. All right, so hello everyone. My name is uh, Leo Marti, and I'm the founder of Positive Design, and I worked with clients such as the Swiss Television, and in the past I worked for a company like uh, the BBC. And for this interview, I am the seeker. You're listening to 24 Minutes of UX, a grassroots community-driven podcast series about user experience, featuring UX professionals from every corner of the planet. The idea is simple. We connect seekers of UX wisdom with givers of UX wisdom. I'm Jesse Anton. And I'm Peter Horvat. The topic for today's episode is design operations or design ops. And we are excited to welcome our first seeker, Leo Marty. Leo is a UX strategist based in Geneva. He has worked in Europe and Asia with companies like Nike, Johnson & Johnson, and the BBC. He has worked on iPlayer and PlaySwiss, the streaming platforms for BBC and Swiss television, respectively. We also welcome our giver of advice, Patrizia Bertini, International Design Ops Lead at Intuit. She's an Ugrofinic linguist and was a contributor to the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines. Now she's helping streamline operations for Intuit's design teams in Australia, Brazil, Canada, France, India, Mexico, and the UK. So if you already know about design ops, great, but there is sure some information about to be shared between Leo and Pat. So without further ado, let's get started. Hello, Pat. It was, it's Pat, right? You showed it as Pat. It's easier. Can you have a little introduction about yourself and, and what you do at, at Inuit? And, and also, I thought it would be nice to start with uh, your definition of design ops. Okay, Let, let's start with myself. So what I do is basically managing and orchestrating the operation for seven uh, international globally distributed teams. I have teams in India, Canada, Mexico, Brazil, France, UK, Australia. And what I do is basically trying to create efficiencies and try to make sure that the teams are empowered to do the best job of their, of their life, that they are able to deliver the best work they can. So I would describe design ops literally as a balancing act to try to make happy not one, not two, but three stakeholders. Because my stakeholders on one side are the teams. So all these designers that are trying to, to deliver amazing experiences to our customers. But on the other side, they are directed by their design managers who are focusing on the strategy, on the vision for the team and the execution of the strategy. And the third stakeholder that I need to make happy, it's the business. So I need to make sure that I'm able to manage the teams and deliver business value through the design that they, they do. So there's a lot of connection if we look at design ops. Design ops tend to connect the business side with the design side. And it's kind of being the man in the middle that needs to speak both the business language and the design language and, and make sure that everyone is happy. I mean, I tend to joke and say that design ops, it's in the business of happiness. If I make designers happy, designers will do amazing work. Amazing work, amazing design will create uh, experiences that will delight our customers and make customers happy. Happy customers ultimately will make happy stakeholders and a happy business. Makes sense, makes sense. 
And and so so how how do you do is very interesting. I think you're talking about linking linking the designer with the the business people because indeed sometimes there is tension and difficulty to understand each each other and speak the same language. So how how do you have, how how do you do this? And do you have maybe any tips? Well, any tips? It's you have to have experience in both and a mindset that actually combines and understands the creative process, the end to end process, customer obsession, and a strongly customer driven approach and understand what are the priorities of the business. I mean, the, the, the key is literally combining business acumen and the ability to design and understand processes. I don't design anything but processes. All my days are spent in trying to understand how the teams are working on micro level and at a macro level, trying to connect all these and create efficiencies. How can we be faster? How can we be better? How can we make sure the designers are not being worn out because they're spending time on low added value tasks? And then explain to the business that if we do this investment, the return of investment on the resource, on the designer will be much higher. We will have someone happier that will do best quality work. And it's all about working uh, and defining KPIs. I mean, I'm a KPI junkie. Cool. So, so maybe can you give us a, a concrete example of when, when you use KPI, for example, and, and when you try to connect uh, design and, and business? Okay, so absolutely. One story that it's, it's kind of very relevant to explain how this works is our designers were spending too much time doing non-design work. And it's a story you probably heard a lot of time. If you talk to your designers, they will tell you, oh my God, I have no time for this. I don't have time for that. I work late night. We know this. Now we need to understand where are they spending the time, right? I mean, either they are not working well, what is preventing them to do the best work of their life, to focus on their design work? So what I did was trying to understand, okay, tell me how your day is going, where are you spending your time? It emerged that basically they were spending a lot of time in a very low added value task for a designer, recruiting participants for research. Uh, I estimated that the end-to-end cost in terms of time for a designer to basically bring in five to six participants for a research study, for a user testing, you want to validate one of your, of your projects, one of your uh, prototypes, it's between, was between two 2.5 days, which included finding this participant, scheduling, paying the incentive, getting them in the room, all the tasks that are not design tasks. So if you think about the cost of a designer, a daily cost for a designer, and the fact that you may run two sprints in a month, it means that basically every designer w- was uh, implicitly expected either to work an extra week, 2.5 days twice, or basically just produce low quality work. And also created a lot of issue. So you start doing the math. What is the average cost of one designer per day? And you start doing the math and you see that, you know what? You can get someone else to this kind of lower added value job for a designer and get someone that actually is dedicated to that. And this is how you create value. So the way we created value was gaining uh, 430 working days in a year by changing this bad behavior. We implemented 
basically an internal uh, research agency. So it was already operating in the US. We rolled it out in all the seven markets. So it took uh, one year. Now it's uh, working in all markets. So the expectation for next year is to save roughly 900 working days. Cool, cool. I, I really like how you described two types of methodology. The, the first thing you were saying is basically you did your research, which is very much uh, like the design process where you interviewed the, the designers. And, and then you were talking more about doing math and doing more business-related tasks, which is kind of calculating the cost of a designer and uh, how much you can save by uploading something else. So yeah, I, I see what, what you mean about joining the gap between design and, uh, and, and business. Really, really interesting. Yeah, design a lot of research. Uh, I mean, you have to do your research. You're dealing with human material. It's it's not math. It changes and it changes by the hour. So you need to keep following and understanding. And there's a lot of research and service design combined with this business lens that helps you to, to connect and serve your designers. So you really need, seem to to know what you're talking about. So so may, maybe if we if we go back in time a little bit, um, and 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 if you could tell us a bit about about your story and how you became a, a design ops lead, that'd be interesting. By accident. <laughs> so my background is research. I would say research. That's what I did. So I started in. in in consultancy, freelancing, I learn fast, I enjoy challenges, I enjoy everything that's new. When I joined uh, Intuit uh, nearly three years ago, uh, I joined uh, as a lead researcher for the UK. I wasn't really doing well. I wasn't happy. I was always struggling and I was missing something. So I'm, I'm, I'm an extrovert. So I started talking to other researchers in other regions to say, hey, I have this problem. I think there's something wrong and I wouldn't like to say it's me. So I find out that they were also in pain. And by talking with other researchers, I just started realizing that what we were missing were OPMEX processes, ways of working. We were not set up for success. So as a researcher, what I did was research. So I started literally doing my own study on how we are working. How do I want to work? What is the end-to-end process and journey to do research? That was my focus at the time. Uh, How can I make research easier for myself and for the teams? What are the tools? What are the processes? What is that we are missing now? Where? What are the bottlenecks? And I went to my manager and I said, listen, I mean, I think that the solution to my pains as a researcher is this. And I had a plan, outlined a plan. Funny story is he was looking for a design ops lead for the international teams at Intuit. And he asked me, and I didn't know what design ops was. And he told me that I was doing it. So for me, it's, it's natural. It's, it's managing. And I'm efficiency obsessed. So you seem quite keen on on process and making things efficient, as you said. I, th- I think you kind of uh, already answered my my next question, but, but it was what, what skill do you need to be a good design ops and, and how can you develop it further? Well, uh, I think that 
an analytical mindset, the ability to analyze the problem, understand what's happening, problem solving, thinking fast, but also influencing and negotiating. As a design ops, you negotiate contracts with vendors, but you also have to convince the business that your decisions and your suggestion and your vision will bring value. Those are absolutely essential skills, together with an understanding of the design process, no matter from which angle, if it's a content designer, visual designer, researcher or, or, or product designer, but understanding how the design process work, it's key. And I, I would also say that knowledge in service design, it's, uh, it's really, really important because you will be designing experiences uh, and services together with this business acumen, the ability to understand what the business wants and how make things happen. So for, for me, the, the, the best school would be or was uh, consultancy. In consultancy, you are constantly facing different problems. The, the pace and the speed, it's, it's, it's quite high. And you are constantly trying to influence and convince customers and clients. And you need to speak the business language because you will be tied to KPIs. You will have to, to start planning and have all those metrics. So I wouldn't say it's the only way. My experience is that uh, consultancy, it's, it's a good school to move fast and learn the key skills. So, so you talk a lot about communication. So, so it seems like one of the very important characteristics or skills you need to have is, is be a very good communicator. Is that right? Absolutely. I mean, communication and empathy. I haven't mentioned empathy. I mean, the way that I operate with, my, with the seven teams, it's a sort of floating manager. No one reporting to me, but I'm between the director, uh, I'm at the manager's level, no one of the teams reporting to me. So gaining their trust means that I'm able to kind of know what's happening even before the manager do, and also establishing a relationship that it's uh, mutually beneficial. And what do I mean by that? It's uh, making sure that when you ask them, when you ask people and the teams for time, when you ask, hey, can you fill a survey? Can you spend one hour with me and walk me through your project? That they will see that what they told you actually translates in initiatives, in projects, in improvement for them. Because if, if you don't build their relationship and you don't communicate how uh, the, the communication, the insight they share with you are being delivered in better ways of working for them. That's not the dynops. It's uh, it's something else. But empathy is absolutely key. The the role of the dynops it's literally empowering the team. And the only way to empower the team is to be able to understand it. And if you don't understand, ask. I mean, we are all different. And especially when you have globally distributed teams, cultural differences can play. So if something doesn't resonate, just ask. But honesty, that helps a lot. And, and so, so you were saying that, that design ops is, is, is very new. So, so I guess a lot of companies don't, don't have design ops yet. Um, so how, how do you know if, if, let's say, you're a designer in a, in a company and, 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 and how do you know when is a good time for a company to have a design up or a design up team? Teams are growing. Teams are like organisms. So you know when you outgrow your current asset. 
So I wouldn't put a number. I mean, it would be stupid to say it's uh, about 30, 40, 60 designers. When processes becomes an issue, when you start seeing that people start working in divergent ways, when your team is not following the same ways of working, when the end-to-end process is broken, that's the time to start thinking that some rigor needs to be put in place. That rigor may be in smaller teams uh, done by the design manager or director. But as the team scale up and it grows into complexity, so you may have distributed teams, you may have uh, teams that are large, 50, 60, 80 people that are kind of expanding. That's when you need to bring someone that actually looks with an objective lens at how you're working, how you're operating, what are the operational and spending opportunities, and how you can optimize everyone's processes to create value. Because never forget, design ops, it's about creating value and delivering value for our three customers the designers, the design managers, and the business. I can really relate to what you were saying because when I was uh, working at the BBC, there was, it was a huge, huge team. It was 200 designers. And at the time I was there, there was no design ops. And, and in terms of process and efficiency, so, so the, 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 the heads of, we were several heads of design, chief design officer, and part of their job was doing this, but they also had all the rest of the kind of vision of the product. So there was no one really 100% committing to uh, improve the process and the efficiency of the team. And I think that was, that was really neat. Uh, missing when I was there. We, we had design ops, but it was more within a product. But at the higher level, you could feel that we, we needed a, a person for even a team full-time just focusing on that. What would I would add, and probably what you have seen, uh, because it's a new role. So you may find someone that it's a DPM, design program manager or design project manager, branding themselves as design ops. Now, uh, there are different roles because the altitude and the task they serve, it's different. So while design ops, it's the strategic view, it's a broad view. So how can I optimize and create uh, spending and operational efficiencies across the, th- the, the, the teams or, or the team? And it looks at the communication, it looks at the spending, it looks at the tools, it, it looks at uh, end-to-end journeys, it looks at cross-functional uh, collaboration. Uh, the DPM, the design program manager, tends to work only with one team and focus on the day-to-day operation, organizing meetings, organizing design critiques, organizing all those aspects that actually are more project management-like. And DPMs and design ops should work together. But the distinction of the altitude and the, the impact they have, it's, it's still blurred. So it doesn't surprise me if you had someone in that role, but not fully. Yeah, but I think that they were all doing it a little bit, but they were, no one was fully focused on this. So there are other stuff in the plate. How do you go about uh, to sell design up to your company? How, how would you do this? Uh, you didn't have to do this, I guess, in your company because they sold it to you as rather the opposite. But how, how would you do this? It's about, again, uh, do your homework, do your research. So start understanding how much is costing your company, your team, the inefficiencies you have. I will reveal a very, very silly secret. Do you remember the triangle, the project management triangle, cost, uh, resource, uh, and quality? You just start with that. 
you start looking at how teams are spending their time. How much quality are they delivering? And you just start looking at how many reviews do you need? How many QAs do you need to have? How many releases do you need to have? And you start looking uh, at the time, how the time is spent, the quality, the resources. How many designers are we using? How much are, are they costing to the business? What if we get more or less? So you just start assessing. What is the status quo and what could be an ideal state by identifying inefficiencies and quantifying them? The moment that you're able to go to the business and say, hey, you know what? We are currently using three tools for design that actually is just creating complexity because we need to, to kind of export files, import files, and that there are issues. Plus, we have designers spending time doing non-design tasks while we are spending uh, so much for a designer when we can have someone else doing other tasks with other costs. Hey, you know what? We have too many errors uh, in the design or everywhere, so we need to improve. Just prove the inefficiencies to make the case for efficiencies. Makes sense. And, and again, you seem to start with doing research, right? <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, it's change management. So you, if you don't know what, where are you today, you can't change a thing. I mean, it's it's way too easy to say, I want to make designers happy. What does that mean? Does it mean you have all the tools you want? Does it mean you have the right tools to empower you to collaborate better? Does it mean you have more free time because you can work faster so you don't need to work weekends or late evenings? Does it mean that you can focus on what you can do the best so that boring tasks are taken care for you? That's happiness. And those are things that you can measure. Those are impacts. Happiness, it's a fantastic term, but it's need, it needs to be measurable. And that's what the business wants. That's how you talk business talk about design. All right. And I think to conclude, I'd be interested to hear about what, what you think the, the, the future of design ops is. I know it's very new and, and still we're still learning kind of what it is. As practitioner, we make this thing evolve. But, but what do you think is, is the future of design ops? What's the next thing? Is there a new thing that is going to replace design ops in design? Or? No, I mean, I think that the future is bright. But, you know, there, there are a couple of things. So first of all, the whole COVID situation has kind of brought to light a design ops because suddenly every organization has started facing digital transformation issues and they started realizing that, oh my God, we are working remotely. What does that mean? And the tools and the processes that were created for face-to-face -face interaction suddenly were not fit for the new uh, dimension. So a lot of organizations went into panic mode because they needed to think how to minimize business losses while uh, optimizing work and production and design quality while going through all this. And companies that actually had design ops are the ones that actually were in a better position because they already had someone dedicated to review the processes. And there was just an article a few weeks ago about uh, companies that are starting investing in design ops because they realize that that's a distinct function. It's not design. It's not design management. It's management of the processes. 
And design ops is going to be now consolidated. So there are a lot of flavors to design ops. There's a lot of different elements to it. And now it's getting to a level where things are kind of start consolidating. So we start seeing frameworks, processes, kind of uh, ways of doing and talking about design ops. And at the same time, it's also starting a fragmentation. So you may hear about content ops, research ops, creative ops, team ops, product ops. So it's it's an exciting moment because everything is kind of exploding. Everyone is seeing that the design ops mindset, that its process business impact has a value in adapting to other disciplines. Probably it will become digital ops, how you manage digital processes on the long term with all these subcategories, design ops, research ops, as part of digital ops. But I think it's it's something that it's it's gonna be amazing. Mm-hmm. And with with all those ops people, you, you you're probably gonna end up with the need of ops ops that uh, <laughs> do the operation of operation whatever. Data <laughs> ops, probably yes. That sounds good. <laughs> Thanks to our guests Leo and Pat for joining us on the pod today. We have learned so much in such a short period of time. And thank you for listening. If you are interested in being a seeker or a giver yourself, great. Connect with us on 24minutesofux.com. We are looking both for givers of UX wisdom and seekers of UX wisdom. This podcast is a community-driven initiative, so we are counting on you. Keep calm and UX on. on.